Happy Friday, everybody. It is Friday, April 7th, 2023. This is the Second Half Podcast. I'm Tom Powell. If you're listening to this, as always, that means you've made it through another week and margaritas are in order. Now, if you don't listen to me for, uh, if you haven't listened to me for any period of time, this is the part of the episode where I usually tell people a reason why they should go get margaritas. I give you uh, an, an example why you should be getting yourself a pitcher of margaritas today, as if being a grown-ass adult with money isn't reason enough. Um, this week, a couple of different reasons why you should get yourself a pitcher of margaritas. One, spring is around the corner. The weather is changing. We've had a few 70-degree days here in the Chicagoland area this past week, and next week we are forecasted to have a few 80-degree days. The lawn is popping. The magnolias are blooming. The daylilies are coming up. So if you hate winter and you like spring and summer, there's a reason why you should go get yourself some margaritas. Because it's almost here. It's knocking on the door. Another reason is this weekend is Easter weekend. If you celebrate... Get yourself some margaritas. Tie one on in the name of the Lord. If you don't celebrate, fuck it. Get yourself some bomb-ass candy, some margaritas, and have at it. But there's another reason why you should get yourself some margaritas. It's Easter weekend. Uh, And yet another reason is, if you're a fan of this podcast, I'm back. I haven't done an episode in three weeks. We'll discuss that in just a moment. But there's another reason why you should go get yourself a pitcher of margaritas and celebrate. Either way, for whatever reason, however you want to justify it, just go get yourself some margaritas. Enjoy the fuck out your weekend. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Before we get into what we want to talk about this week, uh, some housekeeping notes. As always, these housekeeping notes are geared towards the people that are finding this podcast for the first time. The noobs, if you will. Those folks not associated with the second half podcast up until now. There are a couple of things that you need to know about uh, me and this podcast if you're finding me for the very first time. One, this is an amateur podcast. You're going to hear background noise. You just need to roll with it. It, It's not done in a studio. I don't have an editor. I don't have a producer. I don't have a mixer. I have a fucking mic and a laptop and a home office, and you're going to hear some background noise. I already don't give a fuck if you're offended by that. Just stop with the messages, okay? Second thing you should know about me and this website, if you're finding me for the very first time, is my website, oldhippymedia.com. That's oldhippie, H-I-P-P-I-E, media.com. There, you're going to find anything you want to know about me. You're going to find things like my blog. You're going to find links where you can follow me on all the other social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Clapper. I think I got my LinkedIn in there as well. You're also going to find a link on where you can buy my first two books. I have two self-published books entitled A Grateful Life, The Life Story of a Husband, Father, and Taco-Loving Deadhead, and Dearest Renee, Letters from the Coronavirus War of 2020. Both of those at that website and available in paper book and ebook formats. Uh, also on the website, you're going to see a link to my store. I have over 400 items for you to choose from. Uh, a link to my Cameo. If you want to book me to do a video shout-out for somebody, I can certainly do that. And, of course, links on how you can get a hold of me, how you can send me something, or how you can support me in general. 
You're also going to find a link to my Patreon subscription service. While it is still up, I have announced that I am uh, pausing Patreon content for the time being. I'm trying to figure out what it is I want to do with that platform to help grow the platform and stop spinning my wheels over there. So it is still up. Some people have sent me messages and said that they still want to be paying subscribers even while I'm down because they want to support me. That's awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm hopefully going to be able to figure out something to do with that Patreon that's going to be able to uh, draw in more uh, subscribers and more supporters. But for right now, that one's going to be on, on pause for a little while. But the rest of what I just mentioned, once again, can all be found at my website, Old Hippie media.com now we're going to start uh, stop talking about that so that this uh, podcast doesn't turn into one big advertisement for myself and we're going to move on to the political news stories of the week before we move on to the politics though a couple of quick notes above and beyond uh, uh, the political realm first as I mentioned it is Easter weekend so if you do celebrate Easter I truly do hope you have a great Easter I hope that your family time is well. I hope nobody argues about uh, stupid shit. I hope you find all your eggs. Uh, We, quote unquote, celebrate Easter. We don't do the religious aspect of it. We don't go to church, all of that jazz. But we, we celebrate it as another way of the family getting together and being able to enjoy each other. So we do the traditional... Uh corporate Easter style, eggs and bunnies and chocolate and a nice big dinner and so forth and so on and so forth and so on. So if you do celebrate, I hope you have a great weekend and and celebrating Easter. Even if you don't celebrate, I hope you have a great weekend too. Uh, Secondly, a lot of you guys have sent me messages saying that ever since I bought the new laptop, it sounds like I'm talking into a tin can on this podcast. So uh, I'm still using the same laptop and mic this week. I've made two changes this week. One, the fan isn't in the back window. And two, I've taken the filter away from in front of my microphone. So what I would like for you guys to do is to send me messages. Go to the website, uh, oldhippymedia.com. You can send me messages. And uh, tell me how this sound compares to the last few episodes. The last, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight episodes, whatever. Tell me how the, how the sound comparison is in your world. Does it still sound like I'm talking in a tin can? Some of you said it sounds like I'm talking in a tunnel. Uh, let me know. It, it might be time to get a different mic that's more compatible with this laptop. I don't know. I need to hear from you guys. Uh, and lastly, before we get into the political stories, um, as I mentioned, I haven't done a, a podcast episode here on the second half podcast since the 17th of March. Uh, today, when you're listening to this on Friday, will be three weeks since I last did an episode. Why have I not done one? Well, I had Bell's palsy. Uh, a few weeks back, I actually developed COVID, and I, I had some pretty, uh, I wouldn't say heavy, but noticeable symptoms. I was under the weather. I was shit for a week and a half, two weeks. As I was coming out of COVID symptoms, I developed an upper respiratory infection, as I am prone to do. I take a medication called Skyrizi, and it fucks with my immune system, and so therefore I'm more susceptible 
to things like upper respiratory infections. And I developed one at the tail end of my COVID symptoms. My doc put me on two antibiotics. And as I was wrapping up the antibiotics, it was on my second or last day of antibiotics, I developed Bell's palsy. If you don't know what Bell's palsy is, it's a viral infection that causes you to have partial paralysis on one side of your face. I don't know if it ever actually does it on both sides. From what I read, it was one side. Uh, so with me, it was the right side of my face. I had no muscle control. So when I talk, I talk like this, and uh, I, you, you chew food, it'd fall right out of your mouth. You couldn't suck out of a straw. Taking a hit off of a dude was a pain in the ass. I had to really get creative with that. Um, but it, I couldn't really speak to be able to do an hour-long podcast. I could pull myself together long enough to do little TikTok videos, obviously. Uh, and I did some stuff, obviously, on, on Facebook and Twitter where it doesn't require any speech, just the written word. But, yeah, I wasn't about to try and muscle through an hour-long podcast with Bell's Palsy. That was a pain in the dick. Uh, not It didn't physically hurt. It was just an annoyance of epic proportions. But it's subsiding. It's still there a little bit, but it is subsiding. And so now I'm back to making podcasts, obviously as you're hearing this right now. So there are a couple of notes for you guys before the political news stories. I want to thank you guys for sticking around and being loyal listeners to the, to the podcast and coming back, uh, even though I've taken a few weeks off. and took a few weeks off before that when I went on vacation and had COVID and shit. So I, I thank you guys for the devotion and dedication to this podcast trying to grow this podcast. I would really love a podcast sponsor. So if you're somebody out there that wants to sponsor a podcast and have your your, your company name mentioned here uh, in exchange for sponsorship, let me know. Send me a message. Uh, go to the last page of my website, oldhippymedia.com, and you'll find a link to my email, a general questionnaire link, and uh, various other places where you can get a hold of me there. Okay. Now let's move on to politics, which is what we predominantly discuss here on the second half podcast. And I'm not going to be able to touch on everything. There are going to be some things that are going to have to wait for the next episode and the next episode. Uh, I've got a lot of stories that I want to catch up on, some from recently, some from over the last couple of weeks when I haven't been doing a podcast. Um, and there are just there's just not enough time to cover all the insanity. I mean, for example... Kansas, I believe it is. Kansas just passed a law allowing people to physically inspect the genitalia of your children if they want to play sports in that state. No, I'm not joking. That's not a lie. That's not an exaggeration. In Kansas, if your daughter wants to play soccer for her junior high team, somebody has to look at her pants and physically verify that she's a female. That she has a vagina. If your son wants to make the freshman baseball team, somebody needs to physically look in his uh, pants to make sure he has a dick and balls. Uh, how do you... It, that's not a story that we're going to be talking about this week, but how do you support such insanity? I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm being dead fucking serious. If Illinois ever passed such a law... now. Thankfully, both of my daughters 
are out of school and the only sport my son plays is bowling. But if Illinois were to pass such a law and somebody came to my son when he was trying to make the high school bowling team or the junior high bowling team and said to me, we need to physically examine the genitalia of your son, I would literally look at them and say, you can try, but I guarantee you, you're going to wake up to the sound of the machine keeping you alive. How the fuck can anybody support such measures? We're going to talk about some of the draconian laws that are being passed in some of the states in the United States of America here in this podcast. But things like that, like the Kansas law, that's fucking insane. That's insane. Now, speaking of insanity, let's get into the the stories that I actually have uh, scheduled to speak about today. Uh, And right off the bat, I want to talk about a little local politics, if I could, please. You know what? Fuck that. We're going to skip the local politics for just a minute. We're going to talk about Wisconsin. We we need to talk about Wisconsin. Right-wing extremism has yet again been rejected, this time in the form of an election for a Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin. I'm going to scroll down here, and I'm going to skip over the local story for just one minute, and I'm going to now read to you from Politico. Liberal Milwaukee County Judge Janet, and I'm going to butcher her last name, Pratasakwicks, Pratasakwicks, we're going to call her Janet, crushed her opponent on Tuesday in Wisconsin Supreme Court election. The outcome of the contest will likely determine the fate of abortion rights and other key issues in the top presidential battleground. Conservatives currently hold a 4-3 majority in the state Supreme Court, an advantage that's helped the right lock in power for the new Republican-dominated legislature. But Janet and her win could provide a new check on the state GOP. She will be sworn in this summer. The contest between former state Supreme Court Justice Dan Kelly, a conservative, and Janet has been unusually contested, uh, contentious for a judicial campaign. The lone general election debate between the two was cutting and the opposing sides lobbied brutal attack ads back and forth. Kelly did acknowledge his loss on Tuesday evening, but savaged the now justice-elect in his concession speech. Quote, I wish in circumstances like this I would be able to concede to a worthy opponent, but I do not have a worthy opponent, he said, calling Janet's campaign, quote, beneath contempt, end quote, that launched, quote, rancid slanders, end quote. He said she would damage the integrity of the court. Janet struck a more optimistic tone. Quote, it means that our democracy will always prevail, she said at her victory party. Too many have tried to overturn the will of the people. Today's results show that Wisconsinites believe in democracy and the democratic process. The election has drawn outside national press and a gush of money. Spending in the race exploded to surpass $45 million as of late last week. By the way, that's roughly tripling the previous state judicial race record. There were some signs that the money is translating into more voters. The February primary for this seat drew the highest ever turnout 
for a spring primary, primary contest. More than 960,000 voters. Over a fifth of voters showed up for that election, which is typically uh, uh, has turnout percentages in the low to mid-teens. Nearly half. It's impressive. Way to go, Wisconsin. The outcome of the race will determine the course of everything from an 1840s abortion ban winding its way through the courts <clears throat> to congressional and legislative maps that all but ensure GOP control. It could also have implications for the 2024 presidential election in the crucial swing state. Quote, people ask me whether it's the most important race, said Brian Schimming, the chair of the state Republican Party. And I've always, I always say this is the most consequential race facing Wisconsin in decades. Nearly 410,000 people had voted early. I'm sure they're going to bitch about that. The state Supreme Court is expected to rule on access to abortion in the state in the coming months. Wisconsin has a 19th century law in the books that bans uh, the abortion uh, in almost, bans abortion in almost all circumstances that will eventually land in front of the state Supreme Court. In the interim, providers in the state have stopped performing the procedure. Pro-abortion rights and anti-abortion groups poured millions into this Supreme Court contest, and those involved say it has drawn an intense groundswell of grassroots support on both sides. At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, there are several uh, measures in Wisconsin that are going to wind up in front of this new Supreme Court that are going to be crucial. And with Janet securing the win and the extremist not being able to secure the W and uh, maintain the conservative majority in the Supreme Court, uh, abortion access was all but guaranteed to disappear in that state. Now, it can be saved. And the gerrymandering in that state might actually get under control now that they don't have a conservative Supreme Court overseeing all of that. This was a very important race. This was a very important race because this is where they're trying to wage the war with us, right? It's at the local level. Yeah, they want the Senate and the House and the White House, but they're beginning by do, uh, taking control over various legislative bodies and organizations at the local level. And if you can control your state's Supreme Court, then anything you do, no matter how fascist it is that gets challenged in court, is just going to make it all the way up to the conservative Supreme Court, and your buddies are going to side with you. Now they don't have that in Wisconsin. Start expecting a lot of changes coming out of Wisconsin in the next few years. And oh, by the way, as the article already mentioned, it's going to have implications for 2024. One of the things that Trump was trying to do in Wisconsin was get a fuck ton of ballots from blue areas thrown out, and he was hoping the Supreme Court would ultimately side with him and throw that out. Three years after the election, mind you, and flip Wisconsin to him. Also, he's hoping that the conservative Supreme Court will just hand him the election in 2024 there in Wisconsin. Well, now he doesn't have that. 
He doesn't have those protections. He's not going to win Wisconsin retroactively. He's not going to win Wisconsin in 2024. Wisconsin is actually going to be uh, put back on the right path for a change. Why? Because the voters showed up. Look at the situation time and time and time again. I don't give a fuck if it's Wisconsin, Arizona, Indiana, Kentucky, California, New York, or nationwide. When the voters show up in massive numbers, when we have turnout never before seen, the Democrats win. Why? There are more of us than there are them. They're just more motivated to vote than we are. If we all vote, they always lose. Period. Wisconsin had three times its previous record for an election like that turnout. And the liberals smoked the conservatives. That's the way shit goes in this country. That's why we need 100% voter turnout. Because conservatives, no matter how they're masked, no matter how they're labeled, no matter what they call themselves, the Moral Majority, the Tea Party, the Freedom Caucus, MAGAs, no matter what they call themselves, no matter how they brand themselves, the conservatives will always lose if we have massive turnout. There are more of us than there are them. Period. Moving on, I'd like to touch on a story that many of you may have missed. But since last we spoke, Alex Jones, who has now lost a couple of multi-million dollar lawsuits, has transferred millions of dollars to his family to avoid having to give it up. And now I'll read to you from The Hill. InfoWars host Alex Jones has transferred millions of dollars worth of assets to family and friends, potentially shielding his wealth from the nearly $1.5 billion in legal damages he owes to the families of Sandy Hook shooting victims, according to the New York Times. Jones was ordered last fall to pay more than $1.4 billion in damages to the families of eight victims of the 2012 Sandy Hook shooting. He was also ordered to pay another $50 million to the parents of a Sandy Hook victim in a separate Texas case. The InfoWars host was hit with multiple defamation lawsuits after repeatedly suggesting that the school shooting in Newtown, uh, Connecticut, was a false flag operation staged by the U.S. government. The families of the victims, who he accused of being actors, it, it just can I just pause for a minute? What kind of a fucking scumbag piece of shit cocksucker do you have to be to look at a grieving parent who lost their child to a school shooting and tell that parent that that never happened and they're all actors? Just pure scum. The families of the victims, who he accused of being actors, were threatened and harassed by his followers. He filed for both personal and business bankruptcies within the last year as the damages piled up, a move that the Sandy Hook families have claimed is an effort to shield his assets from creditors. His company, Free Speech Systems, 
which filed for bankruptcy last July, was reportedly transferring tens of thousands of dollars to PQPR, a company owned by Jones and his parents, according to the Times. Jones has also transferred a $3 million property to his wife and continues to transfer other real estate assets to family members, including an adult son who has struck up business partnerships with several new companies created by his friends. The InfoWars host financials, uh, fi- hosts financial affairs largely remain unclear with his lawyers claiming in a recent court filing that he doesn't remember where he holds bank accounts, how many trusts he has set up, or where his 2022 W-2 form is located. Okay, bullshit. You know where your money is. You know where your tax forms are. And you know how many trusts you have set up. You fucked around. Now you entered the find out phase of the game. You don't fucking like it. And now you're hiding all your money. You're not going to get away with it, you piece of shit. You're going to die broke, penniless, and still owing the families that you harassed for years. Take your fucking medicine like a man. You want to walk around all tough, slamming desks, talking about what a man you are, with deep voice, sit the fuck down and take your fucking medicine. You lost, you owe. Hiding this shit isn't going to help you. They're going to take it. Time to get the memo, Alex. The world is done with scum like you. Now, speaking of scum, Florida is leaning fully into the scum skit. I don't even know where to fucking begin with Florida. The principal down there got ousted over the uh, showing his students in, in his school a, a picture of the statue of David. They passed a six-week abortion ban and a permitless concealed carry. Florida is off the fucking chain. First, let me read to you from AP News. The Florida State Senate on Monday approved a bill to ban abortion after six weeks, a measure supported by Governor Ron DeSantis. The vote prompted uh, demonstrations, no shit, at the state's capital and resulted in the arrest of the leader of the Florida Democratic Party and a state senator by city police. The proposal, uh, proposal must still be approved by the House before it reaches the governor's desk. But Florida currently prohibits abortion after 15 weeks. A six-week ban would more closely align Florida with the abortion restrictions of other Republican-controlled states and give DeSantis a political win on an issue important to GOP primary voters ahead of his potential White House run. Now, obviously, people in Florida on the Democratic side of the aisle are going to protest. They're going to... uh, push back on this. They're going to file suits. It doesn't matter. The Supreme Court has already stripped away abortion rights and Florida is soon to be a state that it is going to be illegal to have an abortion before most people know they're even pregnant. 
six weeks. As I said, Florida residents will also be able to carry concealed weapons without a permit under a bill signed into law on Monday by that same governor, Ron DeSantis. The law, which goes into effect on July 1st, means that anyone who can legally own a gun in Florida can carry a concealed gun in public without any training or background check. Quote, constitutional carry is in the books, DeSantis said. A White House uh, spokesperson slammed DeSantis, who signed the bill into law just days after uh, the school shooting in Nashville. The White House press secretary uh, said that it was uh, shameful and said, quote, this is the opposite of common sense gun safety. The people of Florida, who have paid a steep price for state and congressional inaction on guns from Parkland to Pulse nightclub to Pine Hills, deserve better, said the White House spokesperson. DeSantis previously said that he'd support open, permitless carry of firearms because if it's concealed, it makes it easier for somebody to potentially do a crime. He added that he wouldn't veto a permitless carry bill, a concealed carry bill from his legislator if it didn't have open carry. Florida has issued more than 2.6 million concealed weapon permits, according to the State Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Now, just let me make sure everybody knows where I stand on this issue. I don't have a problem with people that want to have a gun on them. Okay? If you feel like you need to have a gun on your hip for protection, that is your right to do. If you want to conceal your gun when carrying it, you want you don't want it to be visible to the general public, that too, in my opinion, is your right. I don't think that you have a right to carry your gun into every establishment. If there's an establishment that doesn't want you to have a gun in, uh, in their on their premises, then you shouldn't take your gun on, on that premises. But I also believe that people who own guns and people who carry guns should at least be trained and certified to do so. Hey. Okay, so you passed a bill that said anybody that's legally allowed to carry a gun can do so. If you're not allowed to stop people and ask them if they're legally allowed to own the gun that they have on them because your state now has permitless concealed carry, then how are you going to know that the person that has the gun on them is certified and trained and legal to do so? How are you going to know? You're not going to know. That's the answer. You're not going to know. Fucking Florida, man. Ron DeSantis is out of his fucking mind. You think that that's a recipe to win on the... This is what Ron DeSantis has built as his resume to run for president. He went after the uh, Special Olympics when they came to Florida, telling them that they could not make a parameter of being a competitor that they had to wear masks. So he was going to find them tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands, I can't remember what it was, uh, of dollars for making their own rules. So he, he's attacked the Special Olympics. He's attacked uh, 
when it was a major league baseball team down there for their opinions. He's now gone after Disney through the legislative process and in doing so has put massive amounts of tax burden back on the people of Florida uh, and relieved Disney of massive, massive amounts of tax burden. Um, he's passed legislation that allowed teachers to ban books and curriculum in certain classrooms. You're not allowed to say certain things in Florida lest you get in trouble for them. Um, they have, as I just read, a 15-week abortion ban that's now going to get moved to a six-week abortion ban. And now anybody's going to be able to carry a fucking gun in the state of Florida uh, without the cops being able to check and see if they actually are legally able to own a gun. Florida is a rotting cesspool of a state. No offense to any of my friends that live in Florida. I love all of my mutuals that live in Florida. I have family in Florida. It doesn't change the fact that Florida is a rotting cesspool of a state. An absolute toilet of a state. You ever been to an outhouse at a music festival late in the day? That's Florida. That's Florida. Hey, there is nothing on the planet that would ever make me move to Florida. I barely want to fly into Florida to get on a goddamn cruise ship. And if my daughter came to me and said, Dad, I really, 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 really want to go to this school in Florida, I would look at her and say, you better find somebody to sign the fucking paperwork for the loans, because I sure as fuck wouldn't. Florida is a fucking disaster. They are leading the charge to be the worst Republican-run state in the Union, and I didn't think Texas would ever give up that mail. But that's what Republicans can do to a state. Take a beautiful state like Florida and absolutely destroy it through the legislative process. Speaking of Republicans in the legislative process, if you haven't been paying attention, the Republicans passed what they call the Parents' Bill of Rights in the House of Representatives. Now, this isn't going anywhere in the Senate, and it's not going to be signed by uh, the president, so you don't have to worry about this becoming law. But this is what the Republicans are working on. Okay, I'm going to read to you now from NPR. House Republicans passed legislation Friday aimed at boosting parents' access to information about their child's education, fulfilling a midterm pledge that GOP lawmakers hope will be galvanizing uh, a galvanizing issue next year. Quote, The Parents' Bill of Rights is an important step towards protecting children and dramatically strengthening, strengthening the rights of parents, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said on the House floor ahead of the bill's passage. Five Republicans joined Democrats in voting against the legislation. Republicans hold a narrow majority in the chamber, but several Democratic absences enabled the legislation to pass despite the handful of GOP defections. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has already said that the bill has no political future in the Democratic-controlled Senate, but the legislation does send a message about GOP priorities and indicates a further leaning in on the culture war issues ahead of the 2024 election cycle. The bill, introduced by Louisiana Representative Julia Letlow, I hope I said her last name correctly, requires schools to notify parents that they have a right to review the curriculum and school budget, inspect books and other library material, receive information about any violation activity in the school. Now, I don't know where you live, 
but I already receive in my school district information about violent activity or violations within the school. Uh, I can go look at the books my kids bring home. I can go look at the books in my kids' library, and I can review the the school's curriculum and budget uh, budget as it's already online. So I don't know what the purpose of this bill was when it comes to those particular issues. The bill would also prohibit schools from selling student information. No problem with that. Elementary schools or schools housing grades 5 through 8 would be required to obtain parental uh, consent before changing a student's pronouns or preferred name or allowing a student to change their sex-based accommodations like locker rooms or bathrooms. And here's where the rub comes in. This isn't about children. This isn't about uh, curriculum. It isn't about library books. It's about the right wing's fear of trans people. Quote, this legislation is not an attempt to have Congress dictate curriculum or determine the books in the library, Letlow said on the House floor Thursday. Instead, this bill aims to bring more transparency and accountability to education, allowing parents to be informed and when they have questions and concerns to lawfully bring them up at their local school boards. Well, numbnuts, they already have that fucking ability. <sighs> Schools that don't comply with the bill would be in danger of losing federal funding. Democrats are fiercely opposed to the bill, dubbing it the Politics Over Parents Act. They claim it seeks to codify already existing parental rights and politicize the classroom. Quote, rather than actually invest in empowering parents, making sure parents have the opportunity to be engaged and involved in the education of their children, the extreme MAGA Republicans want to jam their right-wing ideology down the throats of students, teachers, and parents throughout America. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries said on Friday. During floor debate on the bill this week, House Democrats argued that the bill puts LGBTQ students at risk. Quote, this Republican bill is asking the government to force the outing of LGBT people before they are ready, said Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Despite Republican lawmakers repeatedly claiming that the legislation doesn't ban books, Democrats argue the bill could provide a legal basis for book bans and censorships in schools. In the 2021-2022 school year, more than 1,600 book titles were banned, according to a report by PEN America, which advocates for freedom of expression. Political fissures about parents' rights and what's being taught in the classroom have also been on display in the state level. At the state level, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, for example, who was widely considered a viable presidential contender in 2024, signed the controversial Parental Rights in Education Bill last year, which critics referred to as the "Don't Say Gay" bill. The DeSantis, uh, DeSantis administration is currently moving to expand on that policy by prohibiting instruction on gender identity and sexual orientation at all grade levels. Last year, at least a dozen states considered measures that mirrored the Florida legislation. Quote, Democrats are now trying to take advantage of the extremes that we're seeing in some parts of the country. The strong curricular efforts in Florida, for example, the images of libraries with yellow tape across the books, said Jeffrey Hennig, a professor of political science and education at Teachers College, Columbia University. 
quote, that's because there still are a lot of Americans, including Americans in purple states or swing states, who value the notion that education ought to stretch their kids' minds and understanding the notion that we have complicated uh, history in the U.S. and that children are eventually citizens that need to understand that complicated history. What I have a problem with, with what the Republicans are doing, is books aren't killing our kids in schools. Curriculum isn't killing our kids in schools. People with guns are. Lunatic, crazy, batshit nut people, uh, nuts people who have the ability to get their hands on guns. That is who is killing our kids in school. So instead of protecting the kids against the true dangers that they face while they're in their schools, this is the shit that the Republicans are doing. And it's because they fear people who are not like them. People who... Okay. This is where I want to go back here. Let me scroll back up here and get back into this. People who are running for your local school board are where you need to be paying attention the most. Now, the local elections just happened, and I'm going to discuss briefly for just a moment here my local election. But this is where you got to start paying attention. The crazies are infiltrating at the school board level. Seriously, pay attention to the 1776 project. They are pushing school board candidates across the country because if they can get into your school board, they can control your kid's curriculum, which means they can control your kid's mind up until they're 18 years of age and start forming and molding them into what they want to see in the world. Here in our own local election, we had uh, some 1776 ass whites running for our uh, our elementary school board as well as our high school board. They were actually using CRT as part of their platform. I'm, I'm going to say it again, and I hope the two motherfuckers that ran at our uh, our school boards actually listen to this podcast. I hope somebody that listened to it, uh, to this podcast puts this in front of them. I'm talking to uh, uh, Baklavaka. I hope I said that name right. And uh, Juskowitz. A couple of the 1776ers that ran for school board positions here in our town. CRT is not being taught in our schools, you stupid motherfuckers. It's not. It is a college-level class. And more to the point, it is a law school level class, so you won't even see a CRT class until you're in postgraduate work. In other words, after you've already completed your first four-year degree. And oh, by the way, it's not even a first-year law school class. You have to wait until you're in your second year of law school before you get to a CRT class. In other words, when you get to your sixth year in college, is when you see a CRT class. Yet these ignorant, fucking 1776 right-wing extremists use this shit as a talking point to dig up votes from the dumbest motherfuckers around. The most 
uninformed voting base you can find. Just sell them some bullshit on the same bad people that they disagree with, and they'll come a run into the polls to vote for you. Let's briefly discuss some of the local winners and losers here. Not all of them, some of them. Here in my town of Shanahan, our uh, two-term incumbent mayor, Missy Schumacher, won her re-election bid. Uh, she beat her opponent, Sam Greco, by a couple of hundred-ish votes. I am a Missy Schumacher supporter. Uh, I have Missy Schumacher sign in my yard. We voted for Missy. We think the town has been run relatively well under her leadership. I don't agree with everything she says and does, but I agree overall with the manner in which she's run our town. So, Missy Schumacher will get a third term as mayor of Shanahan. Unfortunately, all three of the people running for uh, village board also ran. And listen, I'm tired of pretending and tap dancing around this. I don't think Scott Slocum is worthy of a seat. I don't think that he is worthy of being on the village board. If he wants to stay on the radio and run his basketball camp, aces, don't give a fuck. I don't like the way he votes. I don't want him on our board. Uh, Unfortunately, we had three board positions open and three people running, and Scott Slocum was one of them. So the minute he voted for himself, he automatically won. I got no problem with uh, McMillan winning re-election. I like Mac. I think he approaches things with an open mind. Mac actually asks a lot of questions and tries to understand what it is he's voting on. Scott Slocum, I, I don't trust him. I don't like. Listen, my daughter played with his daughter in softball. I got to see Scott and his wife on the on the uh, sidelines of the softball field many a summer. I don't think he's a bad person. I, I think he's a bad politician. I think he's an opportunist and a bad politician. And unfortunately, he's going to serve another term on our board. Uh, as I already told you, 1776 candidate Baklava Brook Bakal. I know, I know, I'm not saying that name right. I have absolutely no idea how to how to say it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, won their position on our elementary school board. So um, I'll be paying uh, particular attention to the changes that the school board is going to be attempting to make over the next few years now that we have a 1776 extremist on it. Now, my son is in fifth. In a couple of months, he'll wrap that up, and he'll be going off to sixth. He only has three more years in the elementary school district before he jumps to the high school district. So hopefully we can keep extremists like this in line while he's still in school. Uh, And then moving on to the high school district, thankfully, 1776 back candidate uh, Tim Jusowicz, Juskowitz, I think I'm saying that right, didn't win their position with the high school board. Uh, Tim, if you follow me on any of the social media sites, is the gentleman that made a video talking about how he wants to restore family values and yada, 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 and uh, was one of the... Listen, there's no other way of, of saying it. One of the propagandists who used... CRT is a talking point to try and earn uh, votes for a position on a high school board. With all due respect to Tim, Brooke, and anybody else backed by the 1776 uh, ass wipes who are pushing candidates for your local school boards, if you think CRT is being taught in your school systems between K and 12, then you either A, 
have no fucking clue what's going on in your own school district, or B, you know that CRT isn't being taught, but you know it can garner you votes from the uninformed masses, and either way, you're not fucking qualified to sit on the board. We need better candidates for our school boards so that we can stop the extremists. Now, before anybody says anything to me, yes, I have been asked to run for school board more than a few times, and my wife has been on my ass, so to speak, about running for the school board. I'm going to say this one more time. for My wife knows what my position is. I'm going to say this one more time for everybody outside of my house that keeps asking me to run for the school board. You don't want me on your school board. Yes, I am not a right-wing extremist like these 1776 clowns, but your school board is responsible for your curriculum. And I'm not a very... Uh, education-oriented guy. I'm not the kind of guy you want picking your curriculum. Just because we need to keep the extremists off the board doesn't mean we need to put somebody who shouldn't be on the board on the board. So no, I am not going to be running for school board. But we need better candidates than these 1776 fuckers. We need somebody to step up and run for school board that isn't an extremist using propaganda to garner votes to stop something that doesn't fucking exist. All right. Now that I've had a chance to talk about my local elections, which I was going to do at the top of the podcast, we can move on with the next news story, which is Tennessee. Hang on a second. Because if we're going to talk about Tennessee, I need to take a hit. I gotta tell you something. Tennessee is on fire right now. Between the shooting and the fascism, I, I wouldn't step foot in Tennessee. First, if you haven't heard by now, there was another school shooting. This time at the uh, at a Christian church, sorry, Christian school in Tennessee. And now the state is engulfed in turmoil because Republicans are looking to strip uh, strip elected Democrats from their seats for standing with gun protesters. Now, I'm recording this currently at 9.33 a.m. on Thursday, the day before this airs. At some point today is going to be the vote to strip these politicians of their seats. So I don't know if they're actually going to get stripped from their seats or not, but the fact that it's even being tried is insane. I'm now going to read you from Politico. Tennessee Republican lawmakers took the first step money to expel three Democratic members from the GOP-dominated House for their role in a recent gun control protest at the state capitol. The extraordinarily rare move resulted in a chaotic and fiery confrontation between lawmakers and supporters opposing the move and has further fractured an already deep political division inside the Tennessee legislature. Resolutions have been filed against Representatives Gloria Johnson, Justin Jones, and Justin Pearson after they led chants from the House floor with supporters in the galley last Thursday. The resolution declared that the three had participated in, quote, disorderly behavior, unquote, and, quote, did knowingly and intentionally bring disorder and dishonor to the House of Representatives, end quote. Republican Representatives Bud Halsey, Gino Balzo, 
and Andrew Farmer filed the resolutions. They successfully requested Monday that the House expedite the process and vote on the resolutions Thursday, as I said today, which would be the day before you're actually hearing this. Despite support from the Republican supermajority, their request sparked outrage among supporters watching in the gallery. Their loud jeers led House Speaker Cameron Sexton demand to demand that they be removed by state troopers. Also during the turmoil, several lawmakers engaged in a confrontation on the House floor. Jones later accused another member of stealing his phone and trying to incite a riot with his fellow members. Sexton deemed Jones out of order and cut off Jones's microphone. Hundreds of protesters packed the Capitol last week calling for the Republican-led state house to pass gun control measures in response to the national sh- uh, school shooting that resulted in the deaths of six people. As the chants echoed throughout the Capitol, Jones, Johnson, and Pearson approached the front of the House chamber with a bullhorn. As the three shared the bullhorn and cheered on the crowd, Sexton, a Republican, quickly called for a re- uh, recess. He later vowed the three would face consequences. Meanwhile, House Minority Leader Karen Camper described their actions as, quote-unquote, good trouble, a reference reference to late U.S. John Lewis's guiding principle. By Monday, Sexton confirmed that the three lawmakers had been stripped of their committee assignments and said more punishments could be on the way. A few hours later, House Republican Caucus Chairman Jeremy Faison referred to Jones as the former representative during the evening session. Pearson and Jones are both freshman lawmakers. Jones has served in the House since 2019. All three have been highly critical of the Republican supermajority. Jones was temporarily banned from Tennessee, uh, the Tennessee Capitol in 2019 after throwing a cup of liquid at former House Speaker Glenn Casada and other lawmakers while protesting the bust of Confederate General Nathan Bedford Forrest inside the Capitol. Expelling lawmakers is an extraordinary action inside the Tennessee Capitol. Just two other House members have ever been ousted from the chamber since the Civil War. So, a lunatic walks into a school in Tennessee. Oh, by the way, a school that allowed teachers to be armed, and some of those teachers apparently were armed. Lunatic walks into a school, blows away six people. Protests erupt at the Statehouse Capitol because people are sick and tired of seeing their friends, families, children, brothers, sisters shot up in their school uh, classrooms. Three lawmakers join the protest And now the Republicans are like, fuck it. We don't give a shit that you were duly elected by your constituents. You're out of here. I guarantee you, if the Republicans vote to oust these three lawmakers from their seats, the Tennessee uh, Capitol building will be occupied by protesters between now and the time that speaker is in the fucking ground. You cannot remove duly elected representatives for voicing their opinion on a controversial matter. You you can't do it. And if you do, you are politically dead. 
Gen Z is going to come for your fucking seat. No questions asked. <clears throat> so, by the time you guys hear this podcast, you'll know what the outcome of that vote is. I hope that it fails, but I got a feeling it's going to succeed. And Tennessee is going to join many other red states like Texas and Florida as full-on fascist states in this country. Now, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. We need to talk about the big news story of the week. We need to talk about what is dominating uh, the headlines, and that is uh, the first ever arrest, indictment, and arraignment of a former president. People have been telling me for years that they didn't believe Trump would ever be held accountable. And this week, the first step towards that accountability was taken. Trump was indicted on 34 felony counts and arraigned in Manhattan. Now, is he going to be convicted of all of these? No. Eventually, some of these are going to get whittled down, plea bargained down. Some of these are going to go away. However, they're all felonies. If convicted on all counts, if he was found guilty on all 34 felony counts that he has now been indicted on, he's looking at 136 years in a New York State prison. This is no joke. This is no laughing matter. I know everybody said this. Ah, it's never going to happen. I told you it was going to happen, and it's happened. This is just the first of many. I now read to you from CBS News. Former President Donald Trump was charged by a New York grand jury with 34 felony counts of falsifying business records in an indictment unsealed Tuesday with prosecutors detailing an alleged years-long scheme to use hush money payments to suppress damaging information before the 2016 election. I can't believe I'm reading this. In an historic, highly choreographed appearance that followed strict security protocols, Trump pleaded not guilty to the charges at a hearing in Lower Manhattan Court in a Lower Manhattan courtroom, becoming the first former president to face criminal prosecution. He has denied all wrongdoing and said District Attorney Alvin Bragg, a Democrat, is motivated by politics in bringing the case. In a 16-page indictment and accompanying statement of facts, prosecutors said Trump orchestrated a scheme with others to influence the 2016 presidential election by identifying and purchasing negative information about him to suppress its publication and benefit the defendant's electoral prospects. They said the scheme involved three payments made by Trump allies to conceal damaging stories. $30,000 to a former Trump Tower doorman who said Trump had fathered a child out of wedlock. $150,000 to a former Playboy model who said she had an affair with Trump. And $130,000 to adult, uh, adult film star Stormy Daniels who alleged an affair. <clears throat> Trump has denied having affairs with both women. And the company paid the former doorman determined his story was false. And the company that paid the former doorman determined his story was false. Sorry, I mixed up uh, my own notes there. My apologies. Michael Cohen, 
Trump's former attorney and fixer, made the payment to Daniels in the days before the 2016 election. Prosecutors said Trump illegally disguised his reimbursement to Cohen by classifying them as legal fees. Quote, the payment records kept and maintained by the Trump organization were false New York business records. In truth, there was no retainer agreement, and lawyer A was not being paid for legal services rendered in 2017, the statement of facts said, referring to Cohen. Quote, the defendant caused his entity's business records to be falsified to disguise his and other criminal conduct. End quote. So, what does this mean? Real quickly, people are like, what is he being charged with? <coughs> Michael Cohen paid Stormy Daniels $150,000, $130,000 to kill the story about her, her and Trump just before the 2016 election, okay? Now, that's considered campaign finance violation because it's money that's being spent to aid a candidate in their campaign, okay? Michael Cohen took a home equity line out on his own house, paid Stormy Daniels, and then Trump repaid him. So let's, I don't know the exact number, but uh, Cohen paid $130,000. Let's say... Trump paid him back 145000 because it was the original 130 plus a little bit for Cohen to make a little bit of profit off of it and cover his taxes, right? And Trump repaid him in equal monthly installments over the course of 12 months. You with me so far? Okay. <clears throat> a court has already deemed Michael Cohen's activities to be illegal, and he was sentenced to prison, three years in prison. Why? That is a campaign finance violation, once again, because it is money being spent to aid a candidate during a campaign. When Trump repaid Michael Cohen, that was it. also campaign finance violation, because he was not paying him for legal services. He was repaying him for the illegal campaign finance uh, contribution. Then the Trump organization classified those payments to Michael Cohen as legal services when they were not legal services. It was repayment for what he paid out, for what Cohen paid out. So the Trump organization and Donald Trump falsified their uh, business records, but because they falsified their business records in an attempt to hide another crime, it can now be charged as a felony. <clears throat> Falsifying business records is typically a misdemeanor under New York law. But once again, it can be charged as a felony if done with, quote, an intent to defraud that includes an intent to commit another crime or to aid or conceal the commission thereof. Prosecutor says, prosecutors said Trump's conduct was intended to violate election laws. So, at the end of the day, what we have here is the first criminal indictment of any former president. He's facing 136 years in state prison for 34 felony counts in New York. In Georgia, 
it sounds like within a month we're going to have uh, an idea of if that prosecutor is going to indict Trump or not. And given the fact that we already know that the grand jury down there has already recommended to the uh, DA down there that they bring forth indictments, it might be a hell of a lot sooner than a month. Now, down there, Trump is uh, potentially caught up in a RICO charge. Now, RICO is the statute that, oddly enough, Rudy Giuliani used to take down the mob in New York. RICO is a conspiracy charge. It says that if there is an organization or group of people that all work together and one of them commits a crime, then all of them can be charged with that crime because it's considered a conspiratorial organization or group. And so they're looking to get Trump, Trump's lawyer, Lindsey Graham, and a couple of other people who all pressured state-level Republicans for uh, the correct and uh, uh, adequate number of votes to overturn the election. They're looking to over uh, uh, charge, sorry, all of those people on a RICO charge. They're all going to be charged. They're all going to be indicted. And then we're going to start seeing some deals get made. And we're going to start seeing how many motherfuckers are actually willing to go to prison for Trump. So he's looking at <clears throat> felony indictments in Georgia soon. He's already under felony indictment in New York. Georgia is coming soon. And then he still has two investigations on the federal level that are currently being handled by Special Prosecutor Jack Smith. He's being investigated for the documents uh, that were at Mar-a-Lago, and he's being investigated for his role in January 6th. Put January 6th to the side for a minute, because I still am not convinced that Jack Smith isn't going to recommend that the Department of Justice charge Trump with something regarding January 6th. The documents case alone is looking like he's going to be facing indictments on the federal level. Folks, keep in mind that this fall is when people really declare their, their candidacy for the presidency. And by this time next year, March, April of next year, we're already in the primary season. States are beginning to vote in primaries by this time next year on who they want to be their candidate for the Democratic and Republican nominations. Trump's next court appearance in the New York case alone isn't until December. His lawyers have to appear in September. He has to appear in December. And he hasn't even gotten the indictments from Georgia or the federal level uh, yet. The rest of this summer, this fall, this winter, next spring, and next summer, Trump will be embroiled in most likely a minimum of two court cases and a probability of four, and that's just of the ones that I was mentioning. He's still got the court case in New York that's of a civil nature where they're suing him for $250 million. That's something that's still going on. And the IRS hasn't stepped in and said, oh, by the way, we would like to talk to you because if you owe the fucking state of New York $250 million, guess what you owe the fucking federal government, asshole? That's it, guys. Donnie is now a criminal defendant for the rest of his fucking life. He is going to be bouncing from courtroom to courtroom to courtroom trying to keep his ass out of jail.
I know a lot of you never thought that he was ever going to be charged with anything. I told you he was, and it's only the beginning. This is the tip of the iceberg, ladies and gentlemen. It opens the floodgates. Watch Georgia indict his ass next. He's, he's going to be facing 34 felony counts in New York, and he's going to be facing felony counts in Georgia. And, oh, by the way, if he's found guilty on either of those, there are no federal pardons. DeSantis can't win in 24 and then pardon him for those. The governors of those states could commute a sentence, and there is a Republican governor in Georgia. Very well could do that. He ain't going to get commuted in New York. That's for goddamn sure. And if he gets charged on the federal level and, and, and prosecuted and convicted on the federal level, and a Republican doesn't win in 24, there's no pardons coming his way either. This is the beginning of the accountability phase of all of the shit Donald Trump has ever done in his life. And it's only the beginning. Trump is in for a miserable run. The rest of his life is going to be fought keeping his ass out of jail and keeping his ass uh, with a little bit of money in his pocket so he can still operate. They're coming after everything. They're coming after his money. They're coming after his businesses. They're coming after his freedom. And the most fucked up part about the whole goddamn thing is that this career criminal would have probably skated on all of it had he never run for president. He decided to put himself above the law by running for president and then shielding himself from all the bullshit he's ever done. Had he never done that, who knows? New York might have never come after him. He certainly wouldn't have to have a documents case or a January 6th case or a try to overturn the election case in Georgia because he never would have been a politician. But all of that shit he did from a business standpoint in New York, they probably never would have even come after him. They probably would have just sat back and done what they've been doing for decades. Laughed at him and went, eh, that's Trump. Let him go be the clown that he is. But the minute he tried to put himself above the law, make himself king over all of us, overrule uh, the will of the American people, is the day that everybody went, okay, you want to fuck around? Now we're going to go look at all the crimes you did actually commit over the course of your life. And you're going down for all of that shit. The rest of Trump's life is going to be extraordinarily unhappy. And when he eventually <clears throat> takes his last breath, he will do so with no support in this world. Most likely piss broke and hopefully in a prison cell somewhere. Watch this space for more indictments to come. All right, boys and girls, once again, I thank you very much for continuing to be loyal to this program. Could you do me a favor? Tell every single fucking person you know about this podcast. Get everybody you know watching the podcast. If you can, go to my merch store and order up some Second Half Podcast stickers and stick them everywhere. Get You're sticking Second Half Podcast stickers somewhere uh, in your town. Take pictures of it and tag me on Facebook if you don't mind, or Instagram, if that's what you prefer. But... That's all I got for you this week. 
We will be back next Friday with a whole new episode. So check it out. Subscribe. Wait until then. And, as always, stay grateful.